Well, welcome to church. It's great to be together. Amen. Again, if you're visiting with us, it's great to have you here. Hopefully you are feeling at home, feeling a part of our family. We're very grateful that you've chosen this Sunday morning to come and worship with us. Amen. Well, I'm very excited about uh, the third lesson in our series called Distraction. And uh, how many of you guys have ever uh, spun your wheels in your car physically yeah. or gotten stuck? Uh, have, have any of you ever uh, started spinning in the freeway? Like you've lost traction and your car started spinning in the rain or maybe hydroplaned a little bit. That happened to me. It's very dangerous, right? It's like scary. Uh, that happened to me one time. I was uh, uh, in a drum and bugle corps when I was in high school. I used to play the drums. And we used to drive all the way from the desert. I grew up in the desert down by Palm Springs. And we used to drive all the way up to Anaheim. Uh, to uh, practice with a drum bugle corps on Sunday mornings. And so uh, we would drive early Sunday morning, and uh, one Sunday morning was especially rainy. Uh, it was raining very, very hard. We were driving in a really old car, one of those old, you know, cars. That are, they're, I guess all the old cars used to be like muscle cars, but it didn't look like a muscle car. But it was really old, so it had a very strong engine, but had no traction. And apparently during the, during the rain, that was made very obvious and clear. And so the car started hydroplaning. So uh, the driver, his name is Fred Perino, he was a trumpet player, He's, he turns the wheel one way, and the car starts spinning one way, turns it the other, other way, car starts spinning the other way, and eventually we're spinning all around the 91 freeway. Cars are just honking and driving right past us, and we ended up uh, facing the opposite direction of, of, the, of the traffic on the 91 freeway. And he just, you know, booked it as fast as he could towards the, uh, the side of the road, side of the freeway. Right after that happened, a big slew of cars came down. And we're thinking, wow, I mean, God was so merciful. Uh, but, you know, you probably uh, felt like that, uh, you know, or that has happened in your life at some point or some moment in your life as well. When you've lost traction. But, you know, the question really for the series is, are, do you feel like you're spinning your wheels in your life? Uh, do you feel like you've lost traction in your life? Uh, you know, and if you ever had uh, have gotten your car stuck in the mud, has anybody gotten your car stuck in the mud? Uh, it, you know, and, you know, you, you lack the traction to get out. And so uh, that's happened to me. That's happened to my family. I grew up in an area that was very, very rural. So there weren't, weren't a lot of roads or sidewalks. There's a lot of dirt around. And so if there was rain there. It, it was tend to happen that you would get stuck sometimes. And I remember, you know, being stuck and us, the kids coming out and putting branches under the, uh, you know, whatever debris or branches you could put under the tire to get some traction. And then what did we start doing? We started rocking it back and forth, rocking it back and forth. And then my dad would be, you know, pressing the accelerator. So what happens when he presses the accelerator? You know, mud gets snow all over. So it was like a dirty, hard process. To get that car to have you know traction again and go. And sometimes that really is like our life. When we are spinning our wheels, when we feel like we don't have traction and want to get traction back in our life, it's a dirty and a hard process sometimes to get back going and get back where we need to be. It's a difficult and dirty process, but it's something that is absolutely essential. Amen? So are you spinning your wheels? You know, the word traction, it's really, it, 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 there's a couple of definitions. The second one's the one that I really want to focus on for the series, but the adhesive friction of a body on some surface as a wheel on a rail or a tire on a road, right? When you go uh, change your tires and talk about your traction and how much traction or friction your tires are putting on the road. But, you know, I love this definition here in cars. 
is a system by which all the wheels can transmit the force exerted by the motor. In other words, if you're, you know, pressing the motor down 30 miles an hour, you expect the wheels to spin so that you actually go 30 miles an hour. If you press the gas more and whatever force you exert on the motor, that that force will trans transmit directly to what the tires are doing because the traction is such. And so what happens when we lose traction in our lives is we're exerting a lot of effort. We're doing a lot of things. But we're really not getting the results that we desire. And maybe that's how you feel. You feel like your wheels are spinning, like you're trying really hard, but you're not getting the results that you desire. And in some areas, in fact, you're probably actually getting the opposite results that you desire. And so you end up feeling tired. Maybe that's where the word tired comes from, right? From spinning your wheels. Some of you guys, you, did, you know, didn't get it right away. But you end up feeling tired. You end up feeling drained or frustrated or out of control. And so that's what this series is all about. It's really helping us gain control and gain traction in our lives. And so we've looked at a number of them already. We've talked about the storms of life and how the storms of life can cause us to lose traction and how we got to make sure that we focus on Jesus and the peace that comes from Jesus. Amen. Then we talked about the last about empty religion and how empty religion can really get us to lose traction in our life because we're we're really not uh, uh, approaching God in the way that is a way of power in the way that the Bible directs us to do. And so the answer to that is to make sure that we focus on Jesus. And today we're going to talk about the world's attractions. Amen. The world's attractions and how the world and the attractions of the world spiritually cause us to lose traction and to feel like we're spinning our wheels. So we're going to start in the book of 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15. Okay. If you have a Bible, you can uh, go ahead and uh, come along with me there, 1 John 2, 15. Or you can share with your neighbor or you can just read also on the screen. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15 to 17. That's what the Bible says. This is the Apostle John. Uh, many, many years after Jesus uh, died on the cross and was resurrected, uh, John actually became uh, one of the leaders in the church, uh, was very persecuted, uh, and uh, is known as the Apostle of Love. Even though he began being a very aggressive and angry young man, he actually became a person that was known for their love. And in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, you know, that's the transformation that happens when we're around Jesus, right? We change just like Miguel Lee from an atheist to someone that is praying with his daughter and his wife on a, on a nightly basis. Uh, but in uh, 1 John 2, 15 to 17, it says, Do not love the world or anything of the world or in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh... The lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. I mean, this is a, a very straightforward passage. This John the Apostle later in his life, after he's lived a long life of following Jesus and and really going against what the common culture, the common society, the ways of that day were. And he just lays it out plainly. 
It says, do not love the world or anything in it. Because if you do, then the love of the Father Amen. is not in you. You know, but then he talks about everything in the world and he breaks it down to these three things. The world's attraction is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These are the things, these are the things out there. These are the attractions of the world. What is the lust of the flesh? It's really talking about sensual indulgence or indulging your senses. You know, you talk about uh, see, touch, feel, taste. Indulging those senses and focusing on indulging those senses. Of course, it includes sexual immorality, sexual impurity, physical satisfaction. That's something that is all around us. And it's calling to us and it's attracting us and it's trying to draw us away from... And, and I called them on Friday to remind them to turn those off, but, you know, amen. But, you know, they're trying to really draw you away from a focus and uh, from a heart for God. But it's all around us and it's all around society. You know, the lust of the eyes, that's materialism. That's a superficiality, just focusing on the outward, on the outside. A focus on appearance. A desire for possessions. An accumulation of wealth. An abuse of luxury. That's what it talks about when it talks about the lust of the eyes. You know, and finally, the pride of life. It's comparing and competing with other people. Trying to keep up with the Joneses, right? Selfish ambition. Boasting. Talking about all that you're done and you're doing. And a desire for praise and attention. When you think about... God's way. God's way will always be in direct opposition to the way of society. It will always be that way. There will never be a time until heaven comes on earth, until God's kingdom is restored, until everything is restored and we're in heaven with God. There will never be a time when God's way and the way of society are in equal uh, inequality with each other. They're always going to be in conflict. There's always going to be indifference. And when you think about these things, and what John is saying, hey, be careful with these things because they draw you away from the love of the Father. But when you think about it, these are the things that society judges us by. Right? right? Society judges us by our appearance. How we look. You know, and, and depending on who you are and how you look, a lot of, some people will look at you and think about you in a certain way just because of the way you look. Or the way you dress. Or what kind of clothes you're wearing. Or what kind of brand is on your clothes. You know, that's what the world thinks about. You know, the, 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 that, that compares to the materialism. You know, uh, the world judges you on what you do, who you are, what you look like. Right? They don't think about, well, what, are, you know, what character this person has. Or what kind of character. Now, eventually, character wins out. And that's an awesome thing, right? But in society, that's what society looks at. It's all these things that John is talking about that lead us away from the love of the Father. You know, Paul, the Apostle Paul, uh, weighs in on this matter in Colossians chapter 3. Let's go over there and look at this. Because Paul, the Apostle, 
you know, someone who grew up a wealthy person and who had a, you know, a highfalutin education uh, and someone who was an, an important person in society, but decided to follow Jesus and decided to uh, really live a life of sacrifice. He weighs in on this in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1 through verse 9. And he says, since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore. Whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual morality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. So you've taken off your old self with his practices. You know, Paul talks about, it even goes into more detail. And this is what we're talking about here. You know, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. You know, you need to put, put these things to death. You know, Jesus talks about this. Jesus' words on this matter. Uh, we see him in Mark chapter 8, verse 34 to 37. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man or for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And so Jesus, I mean, he takes it to he takes us to the brink of life. He takes us to the moment that if you are a winner of life, you actually won. You know, you gained the whole world. You were number one. You have everything. You were the best. And you got to that moment at the end of your life and you have everything on one side and you have your soul on the other. He says, what good is it? Would you actually give up your soul for everything you earned as number one? And of course, the answer is clear is no. But you see, we don't live in soul perspective on a daily basis. We don't live in that reality. We're not thinking about that. And that's why these scriptures talk about, hey, focus on things above. Think about these things because we can get so caught up. Right on winning in life. But yet losing our very soul or in the book of Luke, he talks about losing your very self. I mean, you just lose yourself. You're not even you anymore. You're not even you. You're just something that you're trying to be that impresses other people. But it's taking you away from God. You know, when we talk about these three things, they really are talking about the search for happiness, aren't they? You know, these things that the world 
dangled in front of us are things that are trying to tell you, hey, if you get this, you're going to be happy. If you do this, you're going to be happy. You know, the more you have of this, the happier you will be. The less you have of of this, the, the more miserable you will be. And that's what society is selling. That's what an advertisement is all about. Is if you get more of this, you'll be happier. The reason why you're not happy is because you don't have it. Get it and you will be happy. Get the new one, not the one from last year, the one from this year. Because the one from last year that made you happy then, but doesn't it make you happy now? You know, so really he's talking about the search for happiness. So, you know, the lust of the flesh, what's the reality of that? You know, sensual indulgence, sexual immorality, sexual impurity, physical satisfaction. The reality is it does not fulfill your true yearning for love. And so many people are, you know, go down that, that road of trying to fulfill their lives through sensual indulgence. And yet, they're empty. They don't have the answers. They don't have true, real love in their lives. Which is what every man, every woman, really desires and seeks. And so they're working on all this, on a, you know, really, really hard in their life, but they're getting the opposite results. You know, because the lust of the flesh is really a search for happiness in the wrong place. You know, the lust of the eyes. You know, we're talking about materialism, superficiality, focus on appearance, desire for possessions, accumulation of wealth, the abuse of luxury. It doesn't fill your emptiness, nor your desire for significance. You know, and all of us, we want to fill that hole that's inside of us. We want to fill that gap, fill that gap that's inside of us. And we think, you know, if we have this or we attain this, then I'm going to be somebody. Then I'm going to be worthy of respect. I'm going to be worthy of admiration. And we're focused on getting things to have us be admired instead of being somebody. Instead of being a follower of God, being a person of character, being a person of conviction, being a person that loves, being a person that serves, being a person that sacrifices, being a person that, that is dedicated to their family. And that's where significance truly comes from. And so, see, a lot of times it's like this empty pursuit. And so, you know, the last thing is the pride of life. The reality is it doesn't provide true security, no real self-satisfaction. Some of the most boastful people, arrogant people are some of the most insecure people around. They're just always thinking about what someone thinks about them. They're always thinking about, well, I wonder if I'm important. I wonder if I matter. You know, am I going to be, you know, chosen? Am I going to be first in line? Are they going to give me that seat? Are they going to give me that position? And they're just constantly worried about, you know, where, where do I fit in? You know, there's something, uh, a reality nowadays that talked about, that's talked about in, uh, in uh, uh, you know, psychological circles, circles is social media depression. Is that there's, a, there's people that are actually suffering from depression because they are constantly on social media. And we think, well, why would somebody be depressed if they're on social media? I mean, isn't social media just 
happy-go-lucky stuff. I mean, no one puts bad news on social media. Well, most everybody. I mean, they put some. But most of it is, you know, why would they be depressed? Well, the reason why they're depressed is because they're comparing themselves. They're comparing themselves. And it's, you know, uh, a minister by the name of Craig Rochelle said it in a great way. says, the problem is that we're comparing others' public highlights with our own private lowlights. And so you see someone and, wow, this is happening and that is happening and this is happening and wow. And you're thinking about, you know, what a struggler you were the night before. Or how, how, how sorry your life is at that moment. And you think that person, you know, they're always doing great. How do you know they're always doing great? It's on Facebook. <laughs> Look at it. You know, it's, it's, it's like, 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 you know, heart. Ha ha. You know, I mean, it's wow. I mean, this is awesome. You know, and some people actually count how many likes they get. You know, or some people even look down the list to see if a certain friend liked that certain comment or that certain thing and said, oh, does that person have something against me? Because I put this picture. I mean, it's nothing really bad, but that person didn't like it. You know, maybe they have something against me. Maybe they don't like me. Maybe something's going on. I like their thing when they put it up. I put the same thing too, and they didn't like it. You know, when, when that birthday uh, reminder came on Facebook, and not that I really remember, but Facebook reminded me there was, I sent him a birthday thing. Where's my birthday thing? Unfriend. They won't know, anyways. Unless they look down the list and see, hey, whoa. But you can get so caught up. And, you know, you, you fall into social media depression. And it really is the search for happiness. And you're searching for happiness in all the wrong places. You know, what's the answer? The answer is great, there's greater joy in Jesus. And unless you get that, you're not going to get life. Unless you get that, you're going to be spinning your wheels. And maybe that's where you're at right now. You, 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 you see that and you're like, what? I thought you were going to give me like a 10-step program and, you know, a conference with Tony Robbins and how I'm going to be able to like, you know, get traction. I mean, really? This is great. Unless you get that, you're not going to get it. You know, and hopefully, for, and I know we have a lot of young people here. Hopefully you, you get it young. Right, you understand it young. That you understand, you know, what Jesus said when someone asked them, hey, can you ask, you know, my brother to divide or give me my part of, of the inheritance? And he says, you know what? You got to understand that a man's worth does not consist on the abundance of their possessions. Your worth doesn't come from that. There's greater joy in Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, the writer of Hebrews says the following. He says, let us throw everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And maybe that's how you feel. Like, man, you're just like spinning your wheels. 
You're trying really hard. You're not getting the results you want. You feel like you're stuck. You feel hindered. You feel entangled. You know, it's like a nightmare where all the branches are coming out from the ground and grabbing you as you try to run away. He says you need to throw everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He did it the right way. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Says, you know, think about Jesus. You know, when he went through that very difficult time going to the cross, you know how he did it? He says, for the joy set before him. He said, you know what? This is just temporary. This is just a moment. But I'm headed to eternity. I'm headed to the right hand of my father. I'm headed to heaven. And for the joy set before him, he was able to overcome. You know, that's the answer for us is for the joy set before us. You know, in first uh, John two seventeen, going back to the scripture we read earlier, this is what John says. He says that the world and his desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. You know, today uh, we really live in a disposable society. Right. Uh, there are things today that are made today that are not made to last. They're made to break down at a certain amount of time. You know, some of you might go to your parents home and they have a wash a washing machine that's from the 50s. And it's still running. Now it's broken down here and there, but they just kind of get a mechanic and they fix it. And it's still running. You know, they got a fridge it's still running. They have some cars. They're still running. If you buy a fridge today, it could be the you know, best fridge. Maybe it'll last you 10 years. And then you're going to replace it. Because it's going to break down. And stuff is made to break down. You know, things, you know, break down quickly. Now the time is super quick, right? I mean, you just got the iPhone 7. Now iPhone 8 is coming out. Oh, no. And it has a, a bigger, better screen, they say. So how are you going to do it with your measly, you know, partial screen? What kind of life are you going to have? I mean, you're only, I mean, you're, you know, you got sections of your screen that are missing. How can you live with that? I mean, that's impossible. How can you ask anyone to live that way? Honey, I got to get it. But the reality is, you know, the, the world and its desires will pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. It says this is what really lasts. This is what really will matter. You know, Colossians chapter 3. Again, this is Paul the Apostle. says, since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. What's your heart set on? 
What's it set on? I mean, what, what, what have you decided to focus your heart on? It says, set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Then it says, set your minds on things above. What's your mindset on? What's your mindset? What are you focused on? What do you think about? What dominates your thinking? It says, not unearthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears... Then you will also appear with him in glory. You know, I always look back to the time when I made a decision to follow Jesus. And I think about how incredible it was that someone, you know, out of the blue came up and tapped me on the shoulder and invited me to a Bible talk. And how brave that was to do that. Because later on when I wanted to do it and I've done it, it, it always takes courage. You know, I was like, man, I got to go share with that person. I got to go invite that person. Or I got to talk to that person about God. And I think about it, that was such an incredible thing. Someone came and invited me to a Bible study, a Bible talk. And up to that point in life, you would look at me and think, oh, hey, his life is going pretty good. I mean, he's going to UCLA. He's on the drum line. And he's got, you know, seems like he's got friends. He's got roommates. He's not by himself. But the reality is, I was sad, depressed, lonely, aimless. I felt like I, I didn't know what, what my life was really going to be about. I knew what my major was. But that really didn't answer it for me. And I remember the difference in my heart and my life. From the time I studied the Bible to the, you know, and the moment I decided to follow Jesus. And my mindset changed. The focus of my heart changed. The things that I thought about, that I talked about, the things that excited me, the things that brought me enjoyment and fun, the things that I was excited to do, like read the Bible. I was excited to read the Bible and share with someone else. Hey, look what I found. Look what I saw. Isn't this incredible? And you know how, how I was doing at that moment in comparison to what I was doing just two weeks before? It was sadness and joy. It's such a huge difference. I still lived in the same place with the same roommates. Went to the same school. Had the same clothes. Still had no car. (laughs) But my life had completely been transformed. And my mindset and what my heart was focused on was... You know, now looking back uh, now, you know, 26 years later, 27 years later. How easy it is for us to forget. And to start focusing on the wrong things that do not bring you joy. There's nothing like waking up in the morning and being with God. There's nothing like waking up in the morning and reading a scripture that inspires you. There's nothing like serving somebody else. Nothing like sharing scriptures with somebody else. Nothing like, you know, getting the courage to go and invite someone to church. And you feel like, hey, I'm really living my life for something that matters. Something that's eternal. And not something that's temporal. So are you spinning your wheels? I mean, do you feel like that? Maybe it's time for you to start, you know, putting some branches and some debris under your tire and get some traction. 
maybe it's time for you to kind of start rocking the car back and forth and tell, hey, God, can you put, you know, put a little bit of gas on the accelerator? You know, and God say, sounds good. I'll do it. And then all the mud starts splattering on you. And you're going to be like, whoa. And you're going to be dirty. And it's going to be hard. And it's going to be difficult. But you're going to gain traction in your life. And you're going to start living a life that truly matters. That truly makes a difference. Isn't that why we're here today? Because that's what we want to do. And so that's the offer that Jesus has for us. Is, you know, is focus on the joy of Jesus. Focus on Him. It doesn't mean you can't do things in life or achieve things in life or have things in life. But your mindset and your heart set are the key. And I pray this morning that our mindset and our heart set would be on things above, on things eternal, on Jesus, on things that matter for eternity. Amen. May God bless you and have a great rest of the Sunday. Amen. Uh, Go to God in prayer this time. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we're just so grateful for your scriptures. Uh, We're grateful, God, that uh, your word, uh, so many thousands of of years later, later, has such significance in our everyday life. Uh, That we could read the scriptures that were written 2,000 years ago uh, to uh, uh, people without iPhones, without cars, without the technology that we have but yet with the same heart struggles and the same challenges. And Father, we pray that as we face our challenges today, that as we feel many times that we are spinning our wheels, that we would depend and rely on you, on your scriptures, and on the joy set before us in the the face and in, in the presence of Jesus. We thank you for this morning and thank you for everyone around us and that we are able to live life for you. Uh, with a group of people that are trying to do the same thing. We love you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 See you on Wednesday night.